Uh, and also, before I want to get started, I uh, want to just let y'all know we appreciate y'all for letting us come here and inviting us to serve with you. It's been a good year, I think, I hope. And we're happy about it, and we're looking forward to another good year. And we got uh, Justin back from Mexico, and we got Jared in on board, and he's going he's gonna to paddle one side of the boat, and I'll paddle the other side of the boat. And y'all just keep saying, row, row. What'd I say? Why don't you correct me, Mom? <laughs> Brandon Toro is our new youth minister. I got six different things I'm thinking about. <laughs> no, <laughs> didn't eat too much yesterday. <laughs> Silly man. <laughs> All right, here we are. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, y'all. We're going to continue in our discussion about the teachings of Jesus mountaintop wisdom, right? We have looked at the Beatitudes, what we know as the Beatitudes. We've looked at what Jesus taught. These are the people in the kingdom of God. Notice he said, these are, and he said it all the way through verse 3, from, from verse 3 to verse 11. I'm going to remind us about that on a regular basis because we need to, be, we need to keep it in mind that we're not trying to be anything. We are if we are in Christ, okay? And we let Jesus be who Jesus is in us, and all we have to do is surrender to that. Makes it simple, doesn't it? Right? Now, if the temperature's coming down, y'all, and it's nice outside, wouldn't y'all agree with that? So, there ain't no reason why we can't say amen every now and then if the preaching's good, right? <laughs> Thank you, Frank. I, I, I'll pay you up later on. <laughs> So then last week we talked about salt and light. Remember verse 13 all the way to uh, verse 16? Talked about being salt into the world and being light of the world. Not trying to be salt, not trying to be light, but letting God in us, Christ in us, be the salt and the light that changes the world. Any time any of us, any person, any people group in this in this world encounter God and his kingdom something ought to change remember we talked about that if nothing changes then something's wrong either something's wrong with the receiver or something's wrong with the deliverer or both and we need to make sure that we're asking God to help us make sure that our delivery of the gospel into the community is accurate and what Jesus wants it to be and what it should be and that it agrees with what the scripture says so Jesus said all of these things when he sat down on the mountainside and he's teaching all of these things. And if you haven't noticed and if you haven't studied about the, uh, the culture of the Jewish community, if you haven't studied about the Pharisees and the religious teachers of the day, all of what he said throughout all of those verses I just reviewed totally upset their apple cart, didn't it? This is not what they've been teaching about the kingdom of God and how the re how a relationship with God works. Because all they knew, all they had learned and studied, all of their time and study told them that they need to do these things, which God gave them instructions through Moses, remember? If, if you want to know what I'm talking about, read the first five books of the Bible. That's God telling his people how he wants them to be, the commandments of God. All right, there's more than just ten commandments, y'all, if you think about it. I think there's, with including the Ten Commandments, 
where's my notes? Including the Ten Commandments, there's a 613 commandments total. I'll let y'all look those up. Right? If we're going to live by the commandments of God, that's what we need to focus on. I think I'm going to focus on Jesus. How about y'all? However, we're going to read here in just a moment how Jesus is saying, yes, focus on me, but don't throw out the law. Don't throw out, just because I'm here, just because I'm your Savior, just because I have extended grace and offered salvation doesn't mean you can just throw out what God has already put in place. So now we need to learn what Jesus means. Let's look in verse 17 of chapter 5, and we'll read to verse 20. Here he says, after he said all of those things, he goes in and continues to say, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or, or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And in verse 19, anyone who breaks uh, one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of, of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then finally in verse 20, for I tell you that unless uh, your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think I've pointed this out before. Whenever we see Jesus say, if this happens or if this doesn't happen, you can't be in the kingdom of heaven, we should all pay attention. Wouldn't you all agree with that? I want to know when I'm failing at something because I don't want to stand before God one day and be surprised. Right? I'm, I'm secure in my salvation, by the way. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I believe that I'm saved by faith. But I don't want to be one of those people that, that John was talking about in his gospel. There will be some that come before the Lord and say, I don't, he'll say, I never knew who you were. I don't know you. I don't, want to be, I don't want to have some kind of false salvation in my heart. So I need to know Jesus, don't I? You guys, we all need to know him. We need, if we're going to be like him, we need to study him. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. We need to see what he did, how he lived. We need to listen to his teaching and what does it mean? Not what we want it to mean, but what does he mean? And then ask him to help us apply it to our witness here. Right? So that when we get to be in the presence of God, whenever that happens, we can hear those words, well done. Good and faithful servant. Right? Isn't that what you want? That's what I want. All right. That chokes me up every time I say it. That's how bad I want it. For me and for you. People are leaving this world and they're not hearing those words because they don't know Jesus. And if we're tasked with the responsibility of making disciples and going into the world and we have his teaching on how to do that, why, why, why wouldn't we want to do that? So here he is. He's like, hey, look, the first thing he says is I'm here and I'm not getting rid of God's laws I'm fulfilling God's laws, right? That's number one, fulfillment of the law. Number two, least and the greatest. That's a tough one. The third thing is the proper righteousness, okay? 
We have, to, we have to understand these things. So, number one, the fulfillment of the law. It says, don't think. Because, see, when, when he started teaching all these other things, the Beatitudes and the salt and light, all of the, all of the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the day and all of the people that were following them and, and respected their leadership because they had spent much of their lives studying the law so that they could make sure that everyone else followed the law because that's what they believed their responsibility was. Everybody's standing back saying, oh, he did not just say what I think he just said. And now there's confusion in the camp, right? There's confusion in the crowd because they're all saying, well, he just, what he just taught us, he taught with great authority. And it makes sense because it agrees with what we know about Scripture based on what these other guys are teaching us, except for it doesn't agree with what these other guys are teaching us. And if we know anything about Jesus and his encounter with the Pharisees, we know that they were constantly seeking him out to challenge him and accuse him of attacking God, of blaspheming, of teaching something wrong. Accuse, everything they accused him of, he was doing, but he wasn't guilty because he's, he was, he's Christ. He was God in the flesh. If he was anybody else, they would have been guilty of what they were being accused of. But because he's Jesus in the flesh, that's his whole point right here. Don't think that I've come to get rid of what you guys know. Don't come to think, I'm not here to change everything that you've already known from God and, and what Moses taught you from God. Don't think that I'm changing what the Bible says, what the scripture says, the laws of Moses. I'm not changing anything. In fact, he's, he's, he's trying to remind them that everything that you've read about God's laws says that I'm coming. The prophets told you that I'm coming. And their, their, their misunderstanding at the time was that they didn't understand that he really was and is the Christ. So think about it this way. All your life... You've grown up in whatever family atmosphere you've grown up in, however your life has gone, that has made you who you are. And when someone comes into your world and tries to tell you that everything that's fundamental about your life has been wrong, that's hard to chew, isn't it? Right? It doesn't matter who you are and what your jobs are or what your lifestyle is. If, if someone comes in and says the way you and your, your entire family live your lives is wrong, you're going to immediately reject that. And that's what was going on with Jesus. He's just, he's just plainly saying, here's the kingdom of God. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what you had no way of knowing until I've come here to tell you. And on the surface and the, the initial contact with this information, the people were like, whoa. Are you telling me? That all these laws that we've been trying to keep, working hard to try to keep, and all these sacrifices we've been making at the temple, and all this energy that we've spending, been spending to try to keep each other in line, and all these rules we've made so that we could help each other keep in line, you're telling us that that's all in the trash? So he has to say, he has to stop the sermon there for a minute and say, look, I'm not here to change everything, but I'm here to change everything. <laughs> right? I'm not here to abolish the law or the prophets. 
what the prophets have said about the coming Messiah, about God and his faithfulness, about how God is going to deliver you from your captivity, how God is going to make a great nation out of Abraham and his descendants. None of that is false, he's saying. He says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So we have to understand what fulfill means. They had to understand what that meant. Right? When you make a rule, everybody has a rules, has rules in your home. Most of us have rules in our personal lives that we live by. Right? Do's and don'ts and where our lines are and whatever we believe. Well, when there's broken rules, there should be consequences, right? Otherwise, the rule is worthless. When there's laws that are in place, if they're broken, if they're not obeyed, then there should be consequences. Otherwise, it's not a law at all. That's the reason why when we read Romans, it says the penalty for sin is what? Death. Death. Who gets to decide what the penalty is? The one who made the law. The one who's offended. God. He's, he's the judge. He's the boss. He is the almighty. And when he's offended, he gets to say how that gets taken care of. And what they weren't understanding was you, can't, you cannot keep these laws no matter how hard you try. So then you start thinking, it's like you almost automatically reject that because you're like, what, God's just set us up to fail then? What's going on here? Because it would seem that way, wouldn't it? Who is this God that would make all these laws that are impossible to keep and then be mad at us for not keeping them? You see the, you see the, the misunderstanding of the gospel of, the, of God that they had. And then we have to be real careful about saying they, don't we? Because we have the same misunderstanding. We don't, underst- we don't understand God enough to not work our way into heaven. See, see, here's the thing. Sometimes, maybe, maybe more than maybe, some of us, if not all of us, have been working too hard at being the Christian. The Pharisees were teaching everyone that you have to work hard at keeping these laws. In fact, you need to work so hard that you need our help to tell you how to do that. So we'll make a bunch of other laws so you can keep God's laws. And it's endless cycle of that. Totally misunderstanding that they only had part of God's plan. They were not able to grasp the rest of God's plan. See, we have the benefit of living on this side of the cross. They were living on the other side of the cross. We, have, we really don't have any excuse, do we? We have all of the information. It's, it's right here. We have it all. And in, in this part of the world, we have it freely. So we really have no excuse but to look and see who Jesus is and understand that with God's help and then allow him to help us be like that. Notice every time we talk about what Jesus is teaching, it's always God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus doing something in us. All the work is being done by Christ, or by, by God and his Holy Spirit. None of the work is done on our part, ever. You see what Jesus is saying? The law has to be in place because there's a just God in place. There is a God who is holy and he is just. And if, he has, if he's holy and he's just and he's got rules, 
then they have to be obeyed. And if they're not obeyed, there has to be consequences. And the consequences have to be, you have to follow through with the consequences or he's not just. And only God, our Father, the Creator, can come up with this master plan to solve this problem. How he can remain just and save his people who he loves dearly all at the same time in one action, one work. And Jesus shows up on the scene he's like, I'm here to put all this together. I'm here to make all this complete. I'm here to complete the job. That's what he says. Isn't that, isn't that awesome, y'all? Because if this doesn't happen, if Jesus doesn't say these things and he doesn't show up and present the kingdom of God the way he's doing, then you and I, unless you're Jewish, you and I have no hope. And then if you're Jewish, you still have no hope. Because, read Rome. Romans will tell you that. First two, three chapters will tell you that. So he says, he, sa he says in verse 18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the uh, least stroke of the pen, will uh, by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So he's kind of reassuring him. He's like, everybody calm down. I'm not here to t totally disrupt everything that, that you've done and everything that you've learned. You're not totally wrong about everything. You just need the whole picture. And if you look at the original writings and they're, they're, the writings that they would have been studying, it, some people that study further than, down the road than I do will tell you for sure, but they're part of, the way they write their language, there's like little marks here and there. And if you change one of them little marks, it changes the whole sentence, changes the whole meaning of everything. That's why it says not one little mark, not one little piece of any of God's word is going to change just because I'm here. He's just finishing what he started. Jesus is the rest of what's going to happen. Jesus is the, 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 the coming of the prophecies. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's master plan of salvation. Isn't that great? So that's number one. He came to see, that's the number one thing he said. Then he says this in, in, in verse uh, 19. This is where it gets a little, what in the world is he? Saying. It says, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and, and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And if you read that on the surface level, and, and I, have, I remember years and years ago uh, when I was reading through the Sermon on the Mount, Almost every time I came through here, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Does that mean that there are people who are great in the kingdom of God and there are people who are not great in the kingdom of God, but they're all in the kingdom of God? Does that what that means? Is that what he means? Because it seemed to, com to conflict with what I know Jesus is saying is these are the people who are the, in the kingdom of God. And we go back to verse three and go through the Beatitudes again. And all of those, all of those descriptions in the Beatitude seem like the least of the people. Remember? The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers. They weren't lifted up high in status in the society, were they? Or I should say, are they maybe? Right? So what is he saying? Because this totally, this totally rejects what the Pharisees' mindset, their approach is, okay, here are the people who are closer to God because they keep these commands. 
And the people who break these commands can't be as close to God as those people. And then there's some other people that can keep these commands, but they're struggling, so they're down here. The Pharisees and the teachers and the religious leaders of the day, they had a bad habit of separating people based on their behavior. Who did right, who did more right and who did more wrong. In fact, they separated their commands, their laws, into these are greater laws, these are more important laws than these. And if you break these, it's, it's kind of like, let me break it down and in, in, in how we can, we, we kind of, we're, we're guilty of this. Because it's like people who believe that it's okay to tell a little white lie. And it doesn't offend God as much as somebody who's created some hyenas sin that's unspeakable act against other people. See, we separate all that stuff. Some things are tolerable and other things are just unspeakable. It's like, I can't believe that person would do that. And then we start, we start putting ourselves in different categories. Well, in case we weren't paying attention, in case we have forgotten, Jesus says that everybody who's in the kingdom of God are on the same level. Everybody who is saved by the blood of Christ are on the same level. We all live on Main Street. In everybody's house, nobody's house is bigger than anybody else's house. Nobody's house is smaller than anybody else's house. There ain't nobody in charge but God in the kingdom of God. And nobody's position in the kingdom of God is any more important than anybody else's position in the kingdom of God. So why is he saying these people will be called least in the kingdom of heaven and these other will be called great in the kingdom of heaven? Well, notice in verse 20, he goes into, he's talking about people who won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The only way to be least is to not be there. The only way to be least than anybody else in the presence of God is to not be in the presence of God. It is not what God wants. It is not what Jesus came here for. In fact, the, the exact opposite is that Jesus came so that we could all be great in the kingdom of God because we're his. Because we're covered by the blood of Christ. Isn't that awesome? So if you want to be great, you have to be great in Christ. And only in Christ. Only in Christ can you be great. Because if we go back to the, again to the book of Romans. And really if you read Romans and Hebrews together, you'll find out. The only way to greatness is through Christ and his greatness. And if you really think about it, that's really the only way we, we want it, isn't it? So that's the least and the greatest. Uh, Sons of Thunder, who brought that up? Will brought that up while I got. Those two guys and the rest of the disciples, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Remember that? Oh, I'm going to sit at the right hand of Jesus because I'm that awesome. You can have the left, but I'm better than you, so you take the left. I'll take the right. And Jesus is like, y'all just knock that nonsense off. Let me just educate you about what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like everybody in the presence of God, period. And I, and I love y'all to death. I love y'all. I love, I love, I love y'all. But when I'm in the presence of God, I'm probably going to be looking at God. Not worried about if you're greater than me and I'm greater than you. Amen? Hello? All right, you can amen me on the way home. Because you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll be like, yeah, you know what? He's got a point. I don't have a point. Jesus has a point. If you're going to be in my presence, it can't be anybody but God being above and everybody else being with him. 
right? So if we're going to be that way for eternity in the presence of God, we might as well start now, right? We might as well present the kingdom of God the way it is and the way it always will be. And that includes going into the community and seeing people the way God sees people. Sure, he sees the sin, but he sees past the sin and says, that's a person that my son died for. Isn't that great? And if we could see people in this world that way, we would be able to allow God and his presence in our hearts to come through whatever's blocking his love in their heart. Whatever's blocking them from seeing the true witness for the kingdom of God. That's how we love people that are hard to love. That's how we get past the things that we block. So sometimes, now we're all guilty of this. We go into the world and we're like, we hang out, with, I hang out with anybody that loves barbecue. Y'all knew, there wasn't no sermon going to get by without that. You know that. But I got to hang out with vegetarians too. I don't hate vegetarians because they don't eat barbecue. Right? It's a silly illustration, but think about it on a different level. Look at, look at the world and see a bunch of people that aren't like you. And God wants you to love them. God wants you to bring the gospel into their life. Because it's not just for you. And you didn't have to work to, to get it. You didn't have to earn it. You couldn't earn it. You, as hard as you wanted to work, you could work yourself into the ground. And you'll, still, you'll never earn your, a place in the presence of God. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, y'all, y'all are working too hard. I'm here so y'all don't have to work. I'm here because you can't make it. And he's trying to, he's not condemning them. He's saying, look, okay, pay attention because you need a better understanding of what's going on here. Because if the way you're going, you're going to be rudely and sadly surprised that all this work that you set yourselves up to do isn't going to cut it. That's why I'm here. So he had to settle this down in their minds or they would have never heard the rest of what he's going to say for the next two chapters. So then we go to verse 20. Right? He's, all of this is to set up this point. There's only one type, there's only one kind of righteousness that is acceptable, that is proper. All right? And he's saying, right now, the way you're going, the way you're teaching other people, talking to the religious leaders and those who are following them because they don't know any better, right now, the, what you're understanding is leading you into a self-righteous state of mind and state of heart. And you think that you're going to stand before God and say, I've been a good person and I've done as best I could. I've worked hard. Where's my place? And that's going to be hard. That's going to be tragic when that happens. Because that's self-righteousness. That's being good in your own strength. That's, that's your own definition of what good is. You see, there's a lot of people in the world right now that will tell you, I'm a good person. Well, by whose standards are you a good person? Yours or God's? Mine? Because mine might be different than yours. What a good person might be. Right? Now, I think all of y'all are lovely people. I really do. I have nothing to hold against you. One, because I'm, I just don't. And two, because I'm not God. But God gets to say what's good and what's not good. God gets to say what's right and what's not right. 
Right? We don't get to say, I'm a good person, so God should let me in. Because then I'm not, then we're the king. Then we're in charge. We're telling God what to do. And God's saying, this is the way it is. All of what I told Moses and what you've learned from Moses and everything the prophets have brought to you is to set you up so you can understand what the master plan of salvation is. So that you can be prepared to accept it and surrender to his kingship. Because here's the one thing that will never happen. No one will ever receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior until they know they have sinned against a holy God. And the only way to know that you've sinned against a holy God is if you know the rules. If you know the law. If you know what God's rules are. And I'm not just talking about the Ten Commandments, but that's some place to focus. Right? Thou shalt have no other God before me. That's King James language right there. How many times do I fail in that every day? Don't even realize it. How many times do I put myself back in my own kingdom that I tried to build, that I told God that I surrendered to him so that I could be in his kingdom and then try to get it back? And if we, if, we can, if we can continue not to beat ourselves up, not to be torn down, but if we can continue to focus on the way God's kingdom is, how much further down the road can we be in this life living in his grace would we be? It wasn't even the right sense. Right? We can only live in God's grace if we know his, rule, his law. How on earth how would I ever know? How would we know if we have offended him if we don't know what offends him? And that's what all Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, y'all got this law thing? You, you, guys have, you guys have looked at a lot of it. You guys have looked at what God said to do and not do. And you've looked at it and you've evaluated it. And you've spent all this time and you've worked yourselves to the bone to the point where you've built your own self-righteousness so high you can't even see the truth now. That's what he's saying to them. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean for me and you? Because we're not Pharisees, are we? You can answer that question to yourself later. I mean, how does that apply? Because he's saying, if you can succeed at doing what the Pharisees were trying to do, then, you'll, then, you'll, then you can make it. Then you can be in the presence of God without Jesus. See, because I, I, a, good, a good friend of mine, and I talk about this guy a lot because he's a good friend of mine, brother in Christ. <laughs> he, he, tell, he, he puts it this way. There, there's, there are still two ways to get into the presence of God. See that feeling you're having right now? That's the feeling the Pharisees had when Jesus started preaching this sermon because y'all are like, that don't agree with what we teach. Right, because we teach there's only one way to be saved, right? That's what we teach. There's only one way for salvation, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ, through Christ only. He's the only way, except if you or I could keep God's laws perfectly, then we can be in his presence. So there actually is two ways, isn't there? And, he, and he's saying right here in verse 20, he's saying, unless your righteousness that you've built up, your self-righteousness, can, can surpass and be better than the Pharisees who spent their entire lives and all of their intellect in, in figuring all of this out, 
and they still failed, if you can be better than that, then maybe. But we can't. We cannot. That's why we need Jesus, y'all. Thank God we have Jesus. Think about if Jesus wasn't here, if Jesus wasn't the Christ, if, Jesus, if none of this ever happened, think about how hopeless we would be. You ever heard a, a stories about a guy trying to dig himself out of a hole that he dug? And he just keeps digging, trying to dig out, but he's digging the hole bigger and bigger? That's what the Pharisees were doing. That's what we do when we try to be good Christians. When we try to live the Christian life in our own strength. So we try too hard to be the Christian. Jesus never says, go try to be a Christian. Go try to be like me. He's constantly saying, if you're in Christ, this is who you are and this is what happens. What people see in the Christian is a result of your faith and your submission to his lordship. I'm trying to make it easy for everybody. I'm trying to let y'all, 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 I'm trying to help y'all and myself to sit back and just let the air out and be like, ooh, what a, what a, what a load off of my shoulders. It, it makes it, doesn't mean life won't be hard. I'm not saying that. Right? I'm not saying that. I don't know how many times I've heard Christians say, uh, I hope I can make it into heaven. I hope I'm doing a good enough job. I hope God was happy with that. That's, a, that's an indication that we're trying to do something in our own strength instead of just letting God be God. See, every one of us are different, and God created every one of us. And he knows what he's doing, in case you didn't know that. And he created you, and then sin happened because you allowed it. And he said, I can fix that. I can put it back to the way I intended it to be. And when Christ enters into your life and you become a person who's in Christ... Just go out and be you in Christ. Right? Because you're not going to make disciples the same as I do. You're not going to make disciples the same as they do. Everybody's going to make disciples differently, but it's the same Christ, it's the same Holy Spirit, it's the same power of God that's changing lives. Because every person that sees a different person who's in Christ in the world, they match it up with what God says the kingdom of God is like. And it's accurate and it and agrees with each other. And then God is allowed to draw them near. Isn't that great? That's what we're here for. You see, I'm going to close it with this point right here. This Bible, this word, not this particular Bible, but the, the Bible, whatever translation is, is accurate, there's some out there that aren't so great. This Bible, from front to back, every part of it points to Jesus on the cross. From the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the Old Testament, points you to Jesus coming to be on the cross because we need it. Then you read the New Testament, and it's always pointing you back to Jesus on the cross. Does that say anything to us? We cannot live without the entirety of this Bible. We can't just live by grace and act like we don't have to pay attention to what God wants for us. We can't say we're Christians and make up our own way. We can't do it. We can't say God is my God and Jesus is my Savior and Lord, but I'm in charge of my, of my life. 
But we have Jesus, praise the Lord. Now, if this Jesus that I'm talking about, you don't know him, if you've never surrendered yourself to him, you never said to, to him, okay, I surrender. I've tried it my own way. Plan A through Z has failed in my life. If, if you're there and you don't know what to do, I'm going to tell you what to do. Stop being your own Lord. Stop being your own God. Repent. Turn to God. Surrender. Let him be Lord of your life. Just totally surrender. Develop a relationship with him. Be totally sold out to that. Focus on your relationship with him and let him be who he is in your life. The Bible tells us to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. That's where it all begins. So we do that. And then the Spirit of God comes into your life and then boom, you are part of the kingdom of, of God. If you need to do that today, come down here while we sing. If you need prayer, come down here. If you want to praise the Lord, just sing and praise the Lord. Let's stand together and sing.